After more than a decade in the state legislature, State Senator James Skoufis, an Orange County Democrat, has finally tackled an issue that he has grappled with since his first days in the Capitol as an assembly member back in 2013. And Senator Skoufis joins us in the Capitol Press Room studio to discuss his long-awaited law dealing with the settlement of insurance claims following a declared emergency like a natural disaster. Welcome back to the show, Senator. Delighted to be back. Thanks, Dave. Well, take us back in time to Hurricane Sandy nearly a dozen years ago now. What were the gaps in state laws that you identified during the recovery of that disaster and have been trying to address since your first bill in the legislature way back when? Well, the the major gap that is relevant to this bill is we saw that especially these fly-by-night, not mainstream property insurance companies, they would oftentimes take, in fact, I'd say usually take two, three, six, sometimes nine, 12 months to process and make a determination on, on claims following storms like Sandy. And, and look, you know, it's important to, to make uh, a distinction between flood insurance claims and property insurance claims. And there's a specialized national flood insurance program. We don't have jurisdiction uh, within that program at the state level here. So this is, you know, when a tree falls on on your house, uh, non-flooding related property damage. And, and certainly during Sandy, you had both. During the uh, this past July's major storm in Orange County, you had both. There's usually both when there's a flooding event. And so... What we try to do with this bill is, is quite simply, when there is a natural disaster, there needs to be some urgency on the part of insurance companies. There's obviously urgency on, on the part of policyholders. They're trying to put their life back together. There needs to be comparable urgency on, on the part of the, the insurance companies. And so the, the bill requires that once they get the claim and it's, it's fully submitted, the insurer has 15 days to respond with a yes or no. They can re-up for one additional 15-day period, so in total 30 days, which I think is more than enough time for the, the policyholder who's got three holes in their roof and rain is coming into their kitchen, their living room, and their bedroom, that their insurance company should be at least able to provide them a yes or no answer to their claim. And so this bill has been around for literally 11, if you count this session, 12 sessions. This was my first bill I introduced when I got to the assembly in January of 2013. And much like the wheels of justice sometimes move slowly, the wheels of the legislature sometimes move slowly, but we finally got there on this bill. So practically speaking, in terms of implementing something like this, what does it mean to say a claim is fully submitted, for example? Yeah, so there's certain criteria that a policyholder has to meet when they do submit a claim. And it's, you know, anyone that's submitted any claim, whether it's uh, auto insurance or property insurance, uh, you know, there are boxes you have to check. Oftentimes there has to be photo evidence uh, submitted. You know, you have to submit the, the time, the date, when the damage took place. And so, you know, you, you've got to meet the criteria that, that's laid out to fully submit that claim. Uh, and once it is, that's when the clock starts. And once the clock starts, what is the insurance company going to have to do in order to make that yes or, or no decision? Do they actually have to go out there and visit a site? Uh, I mean, is this complicated? Because it sounds 
like 15 days might not be the most time in the world if there are, say, a lot of claims that they're responding to. Yeah, and so that was the main pushback that we got from the industry is uh, during these natural disasters, we have so many claim submissions and, you know, this is going to be impossible. The, this, the matter of fact is when, when you look at storms like Sandy and Irene and other major, major uh, storm events here in New York, these insurance companies – rightfully and wisely, they actually truck in basically contractors from other states to help them in the aftermath of these storms, survey the properties that they are called out to. Yes, they've got to send someone out usually to the property and uh, and verify that the information that was sent to them is accurate and true. And so, so there is work involved, but there is a small army of uh, insurance industry employees existing in New York and tr- contractors that come into New York following these events. And l- look, the, the data speaks for itself. DFS did a report following Sandy. This was in 2013, 14, somewhere uh, in that space. And the report specifically, exclusively was about how long it took the insurance industry to respond to claims following Sandy. And they went company by company. Every page was a different company in in this report. And all of the mainstream insurers that we've all heard of, that we see television ads about, and, you know, we just, they're they're part of sort of our, our language when we talk about insurance, they all, to a company, were able to respond within 30 days to claims following uh, Sandy. And it's only these companies that are fly-by-night. They've got a few thousand policyholders here or there. You and I probably have never heard of most of these companies. Those are the ones that are taking three months, six months, nine months to get back to their policyholders. And so to the question of, you know, can they do this? Not only do I think they can do this, they can do this, and they've demonstrated that they, they can do this following all these major storms. And if a insurer is not in compliance with this following a storm, what is the penalty? Yeah, so so insurers, they are basically provided permission, licensed to do business in New York State. And so the, the, the most aggressive penalty would be DFS, Department of Financial Services. They basically, you know, prohibit any future uh, additional business by that company in New York State. That would be the most aggressive penalty, uh, but certainly there, there are fines that could be levied. Uh, and, and I would fully expect that uh, – and look, we have a DFS commissioner that's very aggressive. I, I, I speak with her with some frequency about different issues. Uh, she's, she's a real pro, and she, she really – doesn't allow the industry to steamroll over uh, customers, policyholders, residents in New York State, consumers. And so I would fully expect there to be an aggressive enforcement around this bill. And is that what you'd like to see as opposed to, say, uh, agencies that often uh, embrace, say, a learning curve or uh, an educate and then punish sort of approach uh, to enforcement? I don't think there's space to to educate a bad actor in a situation like this when, again, you know, you've got, uh, using the same example, you know, four holes in someone's roof and they literally can't live there. You know, I don't think it's an appropriate response where the state regulators come in and say, oh, well, we're, we're just going to, you know, make sure you know better for next time. There needs to be some penalty associated with that kind of egregious activity if that person's waiting months and months for a response. Well, you framed this issue as one that really targets these quote-unquote fly-by-night insurance companies, and the vote on this bill, when it actually passed, was, I believe, unanimous in the Senate and uh, more than 100 votes in favor in the Assembly. So 
who was the opposition from? Is it just the uh, lack of inertia in Albany that kind of holds things back? Were this quote-unquote mainstream insurers raising a stink just because they don't want to have their hands tied in any meaningful way? What, what was the problem? Uh, so it's a lot of the latter. Okay. And, uh, and, and, you know, there are, as you know, and as a lot of folks who pay attention to Albany politics knows, th- there are a lot of bills that yield a unanimous or near unanimous affirmative vote on the floor if it gets that far, but has a lot of opposition from some of those same legislators behind closed doors. Uh, no one wants to be seen as voting against this kind of bill, but those that have objections, they'll try and stop the bill from getting to the floor in the first place. And that existed over the past 12 years. You know, let's, let's be real here. There were, uh, there were some influential legislators who did not want to see this come to the floor. When it finally got there and I was able to overcome that opposition, those very legislators voted yes. So uh, there, there were significant industry concerns uh, from day one. I remember one of my very first meetings with a lobbyist. It was a small army of insurance lobbyists came in to tell me about how terrible this bill was. Uh, Here we are now, 12 years later, finally getting it done. In order to sign this legislation, the governor secured chapter amendments. And in her approval memo that sort of signifies what those changes will be, there's a reference uh, to ensuring that the timeline for determinations will commence after the insurance company has had the ability to, quote unquote, access the damaged area and properly assess the claim. So does that mean that the 15-day clock really won't start until the insurance company has that access? No. So there were two substantive changes that were made in in the chapter amendment uh, process. The the first is uh, I had to, in order to get the bill signed, acquiesce and carve out uh, non-residential claims from this this expedited process following natural disasters. So my car is no longer covered by this law? So cars were never covered. This was always property insurance. But, you know, the shop that you own on Main Street uh, is not going to be covered by this bill. Lombardo and Sons will have to, if you've got the fly-by-night company, wait six months. The the other substantive change was, and and this makes sense, and this I agreed with and was an unintended situation when we passed the bill in the first place, which is there are a host of, especially in recent years, states of emergency in our state law that are not really related to natural disasters, which is is really the the intent behind this bill, is to trigger this process following storms, natural disasters. For example, we are, I believe, currently still, and have been for years, in a gun violence state of emergency. Still in effect, yes. And there could have been an interpretation under the original bill that the provisions in the bill would apply all the time, 365 days a year, because we are in a state of emergency vis-a-vis this, this gun violence uh, declaration. And so, you know, it's anyone that had been paying attention to this knows that this bill was trying to speak to uh, natural disasters, those types of states of emergency. And so we had to, to clean up some definitions in the chapter amendment as well. And in terms of the implementation of this, if, for example, there are these quote-unquote fly-by-night operators who decide, well, I just can't operate under these stringent rules for whatever reason and decide to leave the New York market, thus creating less opportunities for people to purchase insurance. Is that going to drive up the cost of premiums if there are just fewer players in the market? I would argue no. And and f- first, if if there are players in the market 
that can't responsibly get back to their policyholders following traumatic events like this in a reasonable time frame, then I would suggest they, they don't belong here in New York State. Good riddance. Uh, but in terms of premiums and, and its, its impact potentially on, on premiums, look, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, premiums are one of the factors, uh, as I understand it, in, in these companies determining premiums is uh, basically the, the economies of scale and the pool that they have of, of policies. And one could argue that the premiums for these more mainstream companies, if they're absorbing policies from these smaller bad actors, the premiums might actually even very modestly go down because the pool is going to be growing within those companies that already have tens, if not hundreds of thousands of policies within their company. And any thought to doing this on sort of like a sliding scale in the sense that smaller claims might take less review and might be uh, more susceptible to getting done in a couple of days, whereas larger claims that might be more involved for review should have 30, 45 days for an insurer to respond? So I think you're going to see some of that naturally sort itself out within the 30-day window okay. that they now have. The smaller claims, uh, you know, I, I think will will you know be put within the 30 days towards the tail end, and the larger claims will be undertaken early on, knowing that they might take the full 30 days or 25 days, and they'll be you know, out there surveying those properties right out of the gate uh, if it's a larger claim. And finally, now that you've accomplished your first legislative priority from day one back in 2013, do you intend on retiring from public office? <laughs> I, that is a great question. Uh, is it and, really, though? Uh, no, it's not. Um, petitions start in two weeks. You'll see if I'm circulating. <laughs> Well, we've been speaking with State Senator James Skoufis. He is an Orange County Democrat. Senator, thanks so much for making the time. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Support for the Capitol Press Room is provided by New York State United Teachers, a statewide union of nearly 700,000 professionals in education and health care.